0: Ontario that was Dunai from their most recent CD release and a song all about neighbors, Susidko. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host, Paula Demchuk macquarie Pokrinske Pavlina. We've got a great program lined up for you and we're digging deep into the Nashola's archives for some timeless features. As you can hear, I'm suffering a bit from a summer cold. That'll teach me to go swimming at 1.30 in the morning, I guess. Anyways, a minimum of chat from me today. We've got a couple of ideas for summer reading, a seasonal recipe, and a poem from a few years back. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and of course, great Ukrainian music. And since we're taking a trip down memory lane, here is a song that uh, was pretty commonly heard, or frequently heard, on Nasholos Airwaves back in the 1990s. A group from Edmonton called Dumka, and a song about a gray horse, Yakbimeni Sebikin.
1: Віки, я судеці знаю, а я моя маруся, я се моя маруся, а я пился, моя маруся, а я пился, моя маруся, я пился, маруся. Я пился, маруся. Приезжаю, додонаю, на хата, стара баба, старий Sevdik Rusya'da boyağma Rusya, моя Sevdik Rusya'da Се лахату даєш мені сісти, бараболю, їсти. А все, бьюсь, я, моя маруся все маруся а я все моя маруся все маруся а я качаю на Та моя Маруся, а я серце впіся, пеш твоя Маруся, о хасне канець, полягла спати, а я тяжко палянецьі, кати-катись харти. А я серце впіся, де моя Маруся, а я серце впіся, пеш твоя Маруся, хаю серце
2: впіся, моя Маруся, а я серце Маруся. Попали двері аж головою, стара баба, старий хоче А я все пьюсь, я де моя маруся, я все де ж а я все, пьюсь, я де, а я все пьюсь, я де моя маруся.
1: Сердце б'ється, серце тремтить, мазе, а ти чино тхо-тхо, ашто керє разе. А я серце б'ється, моя маруся, а я серце б'ється, теж твоя маруся, а я серце б'ється, моя маруся, а я серце б'ється, теж твоя маруся. Силики, я тебе нисивенький, я світці маю, поїхав за Дунай, там дивчину знайу. I ты моя, борюся я, моя Маруся, я, моя Маруся. Маруся,
0: Zachoděte rádio pro nás Holos rádio křesťanského koryně na rádio CHLY sto jedničný sim FM umístěné naimo hovoří Pavlína. You're listening to nás Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY one hundred one point seven FM in naimo. I'm your host Pavlína.
3: Чого ж ти не цвістиш? Чого ж ти, козачі, доми? Так дощек пішов, раз, два піда, ріда, раз, та два. Зайшов на крилечку, так дощек пішов. Раз, два піда, ріда, раз, та два, зайшов на крилечку, так дощек пішов. чи ти батька свого. Я вчора гуляла, би що не було. Раз, Тер свою, те вчера проводим под мою.
0: two songs from Ukrainian performers. Uh, the first one from uh, Sofia Rotaru, and uh, she, of course, is a longtime uh, musical celebrity in Ukraine and singing a song about uh, family and national unity, Odna Kalena. And Kalena being, of course, the kind of a national emblem of Ukraine, the highbush cranberry. And also, uh, you just heard from a group called Rojonezia, not that old, but uh, certainly they sing in a very ancient style, Billy Hollis, pure voice. And that song was called Kalena Malena. Um, Kalena, again, the highbush cranberry, and Malena means raspberry. And speaking of raspberries... Up next, from the Holos Audio Archives, Ukrainian Food Flare. Hello.
4: What is summer without raspberries? This delicious berry is top of probably everyone's favorite berry list, and for good reason. It's also highly nutritious. Raspberries are rich in vitamin B and C, manganese folic acid magnesium and fiber and they contain significant amounts of antioxidants like most berries they come in a variety of colors red black blue and more rarely yellow and golden Raspberries are very versatile and a delight for that sweet tooth we all have. They make excellent jellies and jam, are wonderful in ice cream and yogurt, and make fabulous syrups, which are very popular in Europe as toppings for desserts and base for drinks tonight's recipe is super fast and easy and out of this world delicious it is a great dessert very refreshing and satisfied it's chilled raspberry soup all you'll need is two ingredients one pound raspberries or other berry half a cup sugar crush the fresh raspberries cover with sugar and allow to stand for a few hours press through a strainer Chill and serve with a dollop of whipped cream, yogurt, or sour cream if desired. Try it,
0: it's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nash Holos Audio Archives. <laughs>
3: Well, they call it the good old mountain dew, and a there bit of a view. I will shut up my mug if you feel up my jug with that good old mountain dew.
0: Mickey and Bunny from many, many years ago, and a song about Mountain Dew, something that probably might be a good chaser for that raspberry soup. And on a similar note, here is the Maximovich trio with a traditional Ukrainian folk song about hops, Oich Meliu, Mi Schmeliu. <laughs> now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario.
5: Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Bager. Wherever I went, I found, as in few other places I have been, just how happy ordinary people were to talk. Then I understood that this was because no one ever asks them what they think. So writes Tim Judah, a reporter for The Economist, in his compelling book, In Wartime, Stories from Ukraine. The Londoner Judah covered the war in Ukraine for the New York Review of Books. Judah has a specific approach in his portrayal of the complexities of today's Ukraine for the Western reader. He stressed that he wanted to mix people, stories, history, politics, and reportage, instead of explaining why one event followed another. In addition to witnessing some horrifying scenes on the front lines of the war in Donbass, he traveled far and wide throughout Ukraine. He talked with people high and low, from impoverished refugees, elderly villagers, city sophisticates, and wealthy businessmen. One major theme is teased out of all the talks. History weighs very heavily on Ukraine. Judah writes, Because of what really happened, what people believe happened, what people are told happened, and what is forgotten. Furthermore, as Judah notes, what a Ukrainian believes today depends on what he or she believes about the past. And therefore, he points out, People are mobilized, believing horrendously garbled versions of history. These versions of history shape contemporary Ukrainian attitudes to the two searing traumas the country experienced in the 20th century, the Holocaust and the Holodomor Famine. Judah reminds us, history refracts. The same period is remembered differently by different people. Jews, Poles, and Ukrainians have radically different memories and interpretations of events of the Second World War in the western regions of Galicia and Volhynia. The proper commemoration of these events continues to bedevil Ukrainian society, as Judas shows in his chapters on Lviv, and specifically on the notorious Lonskohol Street prison. The prison, now a museum, was the site of a bloody massacre of political prisoners by the Soviet secret police in the summer of 1941. This was just before the German occupation. And right after the occupation, it was the site of pogroms. Judah also notes the oddly truncated historical view of the famine in Ukrainian commemorations. He shrewdly points out that making the Holodomor a seminal event in modern Ukrainian history has to depend on who is in power. The Holodomor has been either highlighted or neglected by Ukrainian authorities in terms of public remembrance. It was also, of course, a taboo subject during the Soviet period. Because of these factors, Judah points out The Haldimor has not entered into the DNA or soul of Ukrainian politics or worldview as the Holocaust and the Armenian Genocide have in Israel and Armenia. Judah was covering and writing about Ukraine in a period of traumatic transition, and he reminds us that these traumas often arise suddenly. The long-established order can vanish overnight. Change can be swift and lethal. Anything could happen anywhere. In one of his chapters, Judah recounts how the American Hasidic rabbi in Lviv tells him that now there is not a single Jew left in the city whose origins are in Lviv. On Shabbat, the rabbi dons his big fur shrimel hat and walks briskly home from the synagogue. As Judah hauntingly reminds us, once thousands would have been walking home on a Friday night in their fur hats. Way across the country in eastern Ukraine, Judah conjures up the charged atmosphere in Donetsk before the first blood of a new war was shed. This was just before the pro-Russian forces stormed the city. He captures the capacity of the human mind to deny reality. Judy was invited to a Seder, the Passover dinner, of the local Jewish community. As a foreign guest, he was asked to say a few words. He described the roadblocks he saw outside the city, This was all disturbingly similar to what he saw at the beginnings of the Yugoslav Wars. But his audience was not convinced. As he writes, No one seemed to believe me. No one believed that their world was about to come crashing down. They clapped politely when I said that while the traditional saying of next year in Jerusalem was fine, next year in Donetsk would be good too. Few who were present would be. In Wartime, Stories from Ukraine by Tim Judah is published by Tim Duggan Books, an imprint of Crown Publishing, and is available from online booksellers. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Hollis Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, shalom.
0: Na hadu yevo radio pro tamunas Holos Radio Krynskoho Korynia na CHLY siich LY stoyady ni sim FM umistyennyymo You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Animo Dobryy den. Mene zvato Pola.
6: Hello My name is Pola Lem. I'm a student at Haverford College, an aspiring writer and literary translator. I enjoy learning languages and tinkering with words. I was very excited to discover the Nashkholas podcasts recently. I've been trying to learn Ukrainian on my own. Unfortunately, not many free resources exist for those wishing to independently learn the language and absorb the culture. Before I say a bit about my poem, I want to thank Pavlina Demchuk-McQuarrie and all those involved in Nash Holos for your work and the opportunity that your radio station provides for students like me. In *The Illusion Defense, Vladimir Nabokov wrote about the expressive power of sound. Nabokov recalled the Russian words for lemon and orange. He wrote... When you pronounce limon, lemon, in Russian, you involuntarily pull a long face. But when you say apelsin, orange, you give a broad smile. The Ukrainian language is, to me, an apelsin, a linguistic orange. It is sweet on the tongue and lingers pleasantly on the lips. It raises the corners of my mouth And makes me smile. The first time I heard Ukrainian was late last summer, in the word for rain dosh. At first I didn't realize I was hearing Ukrainian. I thought maybe I'd misheard. I was at Middlebury College in Vermont on a six week program speaking only Russian. I'd begun to notice that one of my professors, originally from Kiev, Pronounced a few Russian words somewhat differently. They seemed softer, lighter. One overcast day, my professor, Marina, said, Skora dosh. It looks like it'll rain soon. And it struck me, dosh was not at all Russian, nor was it my imagination. I started to look up Ukrainian words. The lexicon shares many roots with that of my own native language, Polish. I began to listen to Ukrainian music. Sviatoslav Vakarchuk is one of my favorites, and to memorize and translate songs for vocabulary and spelling. Their sounds delighted me, how the language flits and skips. I loved how the Russian skolka was in Ukrainian skidki. How tolka became tilki. Meanwhile, words like zhitia meaning life, życie in Polish, felt natural and true to me. The closeness of Ukrainian to my own native tongue continues to remind me of the cultural heritage we hold in common. It is a living testament to our shared Slavic roots. The following poem belongs to a series inspired by Ukraine. It was written for a documentary poetry project this semester at Haverford. The idea was inspired by stories my professor told me about life in Ukraine before she emigrated. This piece is in English, but includes Ukrainian words. It is documentary, but also a lyric poem, because it focuses on language, and languages, as much as imagery, I feel it is very much an oral as well as a written form. Here is a poem called Dosh, Ukrainian for Rain. Dosh, hush, heat, sigh. Serping, the month of the sickle, of harvest, of grain and dusty road. I have never stood in a wheat field in Ukraine. The wheat chirps at dusk. In Vermont, the corn is tall already as lamp posts. The road is dusty. I listen. Soft wind, the murmur of rain. In Ukraine, does the August evening fall like here? Dosh, its singular whisper. I have never stood in a wheat field in Ukraine, but I love the sound of dosh. I love the way it curls on the lips and spools the tongue, the way it patters on the dusty road. I'm Paula Lem, and that was my poem Dosh. Dziękuję i do zobaczenia.
0: Corner Book Reviews by Myra Junik Ukrainian stories in English.
7: In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Leslie Pierce's Empress of the East The Biography of Roxolana, a captive slave who became the wife of Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent. Empress of the East is a profoundly insightful look at one of the most mysterious figures of the 16th century. Roxulana was a slave captured in Ukraine. At the time, Ukraine was known as Ruthenia. She was sold to the Ottoman harem, but later became the wife of Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent. She ruled with her husband and had a lasting impact on the country known as Turkey today. The subtitle of the book sums up Roxulana's importance. How a European slave girl became queen of the Ottoman Empire. Leslie Pierce skillfully describes the perilous journey that led Roxolana from obscurity to the Sultan's bed. Roxolana was captured at age 13 in her homeland, known at that time as Ruthenia. Today she would have lived in Ukraine. She became a royal concubine and quickly became a favorite of the Sultan. After bearing him a son named Mehmed, Roxolana retained favor with Suleiman I for 15 years before marrying him in 1536. In a revolutionary break with tradition, she became the very first Ottoman concubine ever to marry a Sultan who was her master. Roxolana remained with Suleiman and bore him several other children. She ruled with him for 22 years until her death in 1558. Pierce uses historical documents, letters, and accounts written by foreign dignitaries to piece together Roxolana's complicated life. Her given name is unknown, but her native country of Ruthenia Caused European dignitaries to call her Roxolana or the Maiden from Ruthenia. After her marriage to Suleiman, she was officially known as Haseki Sultan. By the time she died in 1558, Roxolana made a lasting impression on the Ottoman Empire, not only as the wife of the Sultan, but also because of her numerous charitable foundations in Istanbul, and throughout the Ottoman Empire. She funded mosques, schools, soup kitchens, hospitals, shrines, and public baths. The establishment of these institutions by Oksolana was a break with the traditional role of an Ottoman royal consort. Leslie Pierce has written a very well-researched biography of a mysterious historical figure, who impacted the Ottoman Empire and ruled with her husband at a time when women were not considered worthy to be leaders. Her rise from slave to concubine to royal wife is staggering in its speed, audacity, and importance. Roxolana comes alive as an intelligent but sensitive young woman who understood her role as a concubine to the sultan but chose to use her influence to gain power for herself and her children. Roxelana's story has recently been revived in the Turkish historical television series Muhteşem Yuzil, Magnificent Century, which was originally broadcast from 2011 to 2014. It has since been seen by more than 150 million viewers in dozens of languages worldwide. Some readers may be irritated by the frequent references to roxolana as a Russian slave. The very first sentence of the text refers to her in these terms. However, on the very next page of the book, the writer explains these references. Contemporary consensus held that she came from Ruthenia, Old Russia, today a broad region in Ukraine, then governed by the Polish king. References to the Ukrainian historical figure of Roxulana in contemporary historical texts of the 16th century describe her origins in these terms. The notes and extensive bibliography in Empress of the East will provide researchers with a great deal of useful information. Leslie Pierce's writing and teaching focus is the Ottoman Empire. Her first book, The Imperial Harem, Women and Sovereignty in the Ottoman Empire, explored the shifting nature of imperial politics and the role of the palace harem. Her second book, Morality Tales, Law and Gender in the Ottoman Court of Aintab, examined aspects of law and society in a provincial Ottoman court. Leslie Pierce studied at Harvard and Princeton University. She taught at Cornell, Berkeley, and NYU, where she became a silver professor in the Department of History and the Department of Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies. The Empress of the East is an impressive exploration of feminine power, ruthlessness, and political skill, which will be of interest to anyone interested in the impact of Roxolana on the history of the Ottoman Empire. It is a wonderful window into the world of harems, complicated Ottoman royal relationships, and palace intrigue. Empress of the East is available at Chapters and Amazon.
0: Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Konishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
8: This is Stefan Andrusiak from Rushnechok, and you're listening to Nash Holos with host Paulette McQuarrie. Doris Lukachivich, Siknashich Chlani Orchestra Rushnechok, Beleki Previtvam, Vesluhaeete Radio Peredachu, Nash Holos. I was about to donate a magazine collection to a senior's library when I paused to leaf through one of the issues. The publication is called Krelati, and I stopped abruptly, for there was a one-page article about Ukraine and a European Union I had all but forgotten about. This is the story of Anna Yaroslavna. When Francis King Henry lost his first wife, the widower king looked to all the European courts for a suitable regal partner. But most of the princesses were already related to him, and so it was that his envoy in what is today Ukraine recommended Anne of Kiev, the daughter of Yaroslav the Wise. That's right, Yaroslav Mudri. Anne married Henry in the cathedral in Reims in May of 1049, taking her oath on a Slavic Bible that survives in the city's library to this day. The union was a happy match, filled with mutual respect. She was an equestrian and was well-educated in politics and languages. According to the online source Wikipedia, Anna Yaroslavna participated fully in governing France. You see, she could read in five languages, whereas her husband, the king, was all but illiterate. Many French documents bear her signature. Written in Old Slavic, she would sign it Anna Riena, Anna Regina, Anna the Queen. Henry and Anna would have a son, who she named Philippe. It was a name not known at that time in Western Europe, and it came from her Eastern Orthodox roots, from the Greek name Philippos, and it means he who loves horses. At least one historian suggests that Philippe was also the name of the knight who protected and escorted Anna from her homeland to France. King Henri died in 1060, when Philippe was but eight years old, and so Anna would continue to serve as regent on behalf of her son. She was the first female ruler of France. Anna Yaroslavna, the equestrian who would become Queen of France, died in 1075. Ocetokin is a traditional song, author unknown, and it asks the question, whose horse stands there? Whose horse stands there? That one, with the grey mane. We love and we love some more, from nightfall till daybreak. Is it better never to have known love? For when the sun rises, my love will soon be gone. Now, I've always taken for granted that the solitary steed was awaiting some dashing night. But having just talked about Anna Yaroslavna, what if the rider were a female, a queen, leading the way through Europe and beyond? From Roshnachok, Volume 1, The Solitary Steed. Ой то кінь
2: стоїть. Ой, то стоїть, що сила гривонька подола мені, подола сні я дівчина, ой не так дівчина. Я ти лелельченку, подай же дівчино, подай же гарна я на коня рученьку. Дівчина підійшла, дійшла, подала. Ой, лучше б я Скозь иде кохання Я, сонечко, я, How the sun goes, how the sun goes, love, see you. How
0: Zapyl from New York City from a vinyl recording made many years ago. That was Stukalka. Zuhodenu pohľadzvame Pavlína. Na hado ju vysúhajte rádio programu náš holos rádio križskoho Korinja. Zalásite si znamenie ztúpnuhodenu. Dáli predejú mikrofónu Oksáni. Zaprosiú pošúhajte trochu pro históriu a tradícií rozpovísta Oksana. Ale pre teba myhočuj zalásite vlastné čímest slovami moudrostia. And our Proverb of the Week translates as He who upbraids someone is not always right. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon. And until then, do stay in touch with both Oksana and me via our Facebook page and Twitter. And make sure to visit the Holos website for podcast links, audio archives, transcripts, a podcast feed, and more. And that's www.noshholos.com. So stay tuned next for the Hollis Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by Wellness Wednesday to learn how to be healthy naturally. And at 2 p.m., join Gord Bibby for two hours of Great Oldies on Groovin' with Baby G. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Dozuzirichi.